hope you guys are doing well wherever you are listening from. My name is, of course, Shida Osman, in case you haven't heard. And this is yet another episode of A Dossier. Woo! Um, I'm sitting in my bedroom at 9pm on a Saturday with a fucking awesome cup of coffee from Cafe and Toast. It's fucking amazing because I think I had it like 5pm and I'm so wide awake right now. So good luck to me later on. No, it is not a sponsorship ad. I wish so I can have their boat noodles because they're fucking awesome. But yeah, um, I hope your week has been nothing short of spectacular. Blah, blah, blah. Spectacular. <laughs> if you need to know how mine is, uh, mine has been a sweet one. But one of those that I had a lot of uh, sleepless nights, um, one that actually really broke my heart as well. Uh, as you know, I postponed the episode from this week to next week because I was going back and forth for the fear of stepping into uncharted legal territories. Um, now that it is out on our national papers, I think I should just go with it uh, before I start. Let me just yep. <laughs> Um, you know, sometimes I forget the reason why I work so hard for this podcast is because I really want Ados here to break barriers, not only locally but internationally as well. This week I realized as a human being myself, we tend to give too much power to silence. Not that it's not needed to recuperate, but just a little too much than required in certain life topics. The reason why I'm saying that is because silence is so much more overpowering than speaking out. It has that you can't see it but feel it effect, which sometimes you can be right and sometimes you might be wrong when you try to put a finger on it. I noticed this after a conversation with one of my personal heroes and after listening to her troubles, I realized that actually all our worries are all the same. That if we speak of our hardships or in my case mistakes, funnily enough, automatically at the back of our heads, we know the backlash that we're gonna get punished with even when it is not our fault because duh, there's God. But why is that? Why are we so afraid of judgments from each other? What's the worst that can happen? I know it's the attention economy that we're living in right now, which of course fairly resulted from self-isolation, but could it be for the lack of education that causes the close-mindedness? Let me just fight you back on that. But there's only so much that books can prepare you for. No fucking book can prepare you for parenthood. Otherwise, we're all bringing up child prodigies. Or was it the conditioning of our elders that resulted in our societal conditioning? But worse and weird shit existed even way back when. There was an alcoholic Guinness ad recently that I saw in Malay, which I don't even know is legit or not, but I think it's funny as hell. Singaporeans can relate to this. Hence, probably the sheltered advice from elders to us for the fear of bad things happening. You know, I am sure people committed suicide back then. Just look and try to remember the traumatic torture tactics during wars and imagine how their family members who survived would cope emotionally. But the shocking statistics of increasing numbers of suicide this few years got to me too. And I began to ask myself, what the hell have we become? Let's admit it, even common courtesy is gone. The moment someone smiles at us, we think one, either they're a fucking psychopath or two, they're creeping on you. It's like all goodness has brutally been eradicated from our system along the years. 
I know I spoke about this before about becoming a self-isolated generation due to personal goals and hustling. But mind you, having personal goals and hustling is never bad. I think finding the balance is always the one thing that we always forget. We have to learn to accept that everything works in opposites. As tiny, humble humans, we tend to forget that there is a universe out there that we might only know 50% about. As humans, we forget that there is a higher power that is in charge of creating us and everything that we step on or how we even got to come around to churning out ideas. That there is a god or gods. That all our abilities and privileges are granted to us despite having our fates written. The interviews that I had this week justified my intentions for this podcast. Now that I have set the tone and formalities, I'm just going to dive in. I am in a better state of mind today. I was in shambles a few days ago trying to record this. But yeah. Listeners, let me just give you a warning beforehand. The following story that I am going to narrate to you is a story that involves a real-time murder timeline which has just happened in Malacca. If at any point that you feel uncomfortable, please press stop. Mind you that in no way am I associated with this case and I am getting the timeline from my friend, the sibling of the person involved. I'm merely narrating the story as an outsider point of view and I have sought full permission. Do also take note that I will be trying my best to tell the story as a neutral and from the point of it being a lesson to all of us. If you have opinions on biasness, that is your call and it's not my responsibility. I will explain the reasons why I am covering this story along the way and I seek your full cooperation in paying the utmost respect for the parties involved, be it the seas or life. Because as much as it is in the news, the people involved have families that we might have crossed paths with or exchanged a word or two. They are someone's son or daughter. Both families are grieving as we speak. I am breaking down this episode in part one and two. To protect their identity, I am changing all their names. This is episode 13, True Crime, Ida's Story, a recent Malacca-Singapore murder that hits too close to home. In the recent weeks, I am sure Singaporeans and Malacans have been shocked with a murder case that was splattered out on social media, news and newspapers. Just so you know, the younger sister of the person involved is a co-worker and a close friend of mine. Which side you shall find out. As the case is still ongoing and once again I didn't want to step on any legal regulations, I volunteered and asked her whether I can tell her story for her. I never looked at a murder on the flip side of the fence until this happened. This is Ida's story. In the past week, I was on shift having lunch at the common canteen with other co-workers. Ida was assigned to a task on another floor level with her best friend Polly. Hence, they came down later for lunch. After queuing for her meal, Ida came to me bursting in tears. In complete shock and confusion, I opened my arms and gave her a hug. Then I asked her what was wrong, to which she replied, Shida, you're going to know sooner or later. The news is going to be viral. When she said that, I didn't ask any more questions. I just wanted her to be okay. So I passed her a napkin for her to wipe her tears, sit down and have a proper meal. I'm sure she couldn't eat well. 
for the next few days, I was trying to piece bits of information together, but I still couldn't get a picture of what was happening. As a friend, I also didn't want to assume, so I stayed away and keep mum. I had a gut feeling that it wasn't her from her recent Instagram story, but I had the gut feeling that it was a life or death situation. One of my longtime best friend, Lola, whom introduced me to this job and whom I have worked with for a period of time, called me and tried to briefly give me a hint of what happened. But because I was wary of the information that was going to be exchanged, because you'll never know, mobile surveillance, you know, I told her it was better if we meet after work, which I didn't because I was too exhausted. Subsequently, on the next working day, me and Ida were working at different floor levels. Before lunch, Ida texted me to accompany her for a smoke. So I did. I saw her and she looked really disheveled. So I just sat beside her. Ida. I haven't slept at all, Sheeta. Have you heard what happened? To which I replied, I have a gut feeling, but I'm afraid to say it out loud for if it turns out to be true. Ida. Tell me what your gut feeling is. And I told her, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but has this got something to do with your brother, Finn? With me saying that, the knowledge of knowing Ida's brother, Finn, is not only from being Ida's friend. Finn was a co-worker of ours. I have only worked with him twice or thrice, and to be really brutally honest with all of you, my impression of Finn was that he is a man of little words, but a reliable, hardworking, and a funny co-worker nonetheless. He was always appropriate, never flirted with the girls at work, never complained about the workload. He would just do what is told. So, you can imagine the reaction of the managers and co-workers when they got to find out what happened. No one had a problem with him at work. Moving on with the story, I asked Ida about Finn. She hesitated for a moment and looked down and she said Sheena I don't know how to say this but Finn Finn murdered his wife my sister-in-law and his stepson then he and I'm still looking at her straight when she told me all this she continued and said he chopped their body parts into pieces and my heart just shattered. See, my mind usually has a delay in being receptive to bizarre news. That's why feelings catch up with me much, much later. And I'll usually dwell in sorrow for ages. Because I always feel like I could have said or done something there and then. But anyways. In my head, and I think in yours as well, this scenario has only happened in movies. It should not happen in real life. Even Ida agrees with it. Worst thing is, it didn't happen here in Singapore. The homicide is a cross-border. Finn is a Singaporean living in Malacca. The deceased, I'll name her Gina for reference purposes, is Finn's wife and Charles. Finn's stepson are citizens of Malacca. And the murder happened within the vicinity of the couple's residence, a two-story flat in Malacca. Back to Ida's story once again. I'm still outside accompanying her to smoke. I dropped out of my daze, placed my hand over her shoulders, and offered her a gesture of console. I took a deep breath and told her, Terrible shit always happens in life, Ida. Everything is written. This is rough. I'm sorry. I didn't know what to say to make her feel better. While my mind was already breaking down the situation and fighting possible things to be able to help with. I haven't been in this situation before. 
Ida looked at me and asked, I even have the pictures. Do you want to see it? To which I said yes. In picture one, laid across grass, was what seemed like a decapitated human thigh among other organs which I can't make out. Then, in picture two, was intestines. As you know, because the murder was committed in Malacca, it was only right that all statements and reports were present with the Malaysian Malaccan district. Ida told me that she's frustrated because she didn't know how, but the official report got leaked and was circulating on Facebook. Of course, I asked her who was the first person to receive that report and how it was communicated within family members, and she said via an app. So I'm assuming that it must have been leaked unintentionally by someone while they were trying to stop unnecessary comments online from spreading. When I say official report, it means personal particulars and incident timeline from A to Z. Unfortunately, home addresses were in there published and people still blindly shared the official report i don't know how but it spread like wildfire within hours i swear to god some of the things i saw that people said on the comments were so insensitive to the deceased to ida's brother and both their families some of the internet articles had pictures of all of them and their faces were visible finn's face gina's face charles's face and even ida's face wasn't there now Imagine this was to happen to your family. I know, you're probably going, but this would never happen to mine. Well, so did Ida. So how sure can you be? Picture it in your head, how both these families are looking right now. Imagine the murderer and the murdered were from your family. And as you're trying to digest the shock, the trauma, the pain, the disbelief, the betrayal, the questions, the anger, Personal pictures that you once deemed precious are flying across media articles along with unnecessary judgments from netizens, which is short for internet citizens in case you don't know. I saw terrible comments such as, Probably the reason behind this is because his parents didn't bring him up well. The wife is so young and pretty, such a waste. What's with the sweet message for the wife when you're just gonna kill her? Look at the faces of his family, a family of killers. Take a moment and imagine people you don't know saying this kind of things about your family. Wouldn't you go crazy? I hate to be the one who points this out loud, but 90% of these comments came from my own tribe. Understandably, this case happened in Malacca. Understandably, a Singaporean was involved and emotions was at an all-time high. These are Malay Muslims who are supposedly religious and are always thought peace and acceptance as how I am that... We are nothing but humble human beings who are not exempted from making mistakes on this temporary earth. We should always forgive. For the next few days, I had sleepless nights because I was so affected and realized that this could happen to anyone. I was struggling with the surrealism of it. I was thinking about my family members. A lot of times, I push aside that thought because if I felt like that, what more Ida, her family and the family of the deceased... Finn was someone's son. Gina was someone's daughter. Charles was Gina's son. 
The netizens forgot that these are human beings that once lived around us. They still have family members around that has got absolutely nothing to do with the act of the murder, just by blood. Because they were so driven by the emotions from the visuals and story of the murder committed, this netizens decided that it is a necessity to self-project their opinions to appear as noble human beings. That they are fighting for a right. That they can never do wrong that they are better off than everyone else involved. <laughs>